We are back on the Darting Through the Faith podcast, mm-hmm. and with me is Julia Monin. I'm Father Sean Wilson. Afternoon to you, Julia. Thank you, Father Top Sean. Top of the afternoon. Thank you. That was that was a different opening. It that was, was a good. different opening. And yeah. Grace is saying, yeah, she's saying good enough. Yeah. We'll try Good again. enough. We'll try again next week. <laughs> we'll try again That's later. all for us. And now that we've mastered that, we've mm-hmm. got nothing. No, I have something very important. Okay. Because we'll get to what we're talking about today, and that's also very important. But this is getting released on Friday, October 1st. Anything you want to talk to us about Friday, it's October 1st? It's the first, first Friday. And First Friday is traditionally devoted to the sacred heart of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so we're going we're gonna to love on the heart of Jesus Friday, October the 1st. And that, of course, is true. It and is And also true, not what it? I'm fishing for. Oh. And you know better. <laughs> and you're messing with me. Me? Yeah. <laughs> Me? I'm never, insulted. Never would I mess with you. How dare you accuse Come me. on, give the people what they want. Whose feast day are we celebrating on October 1st? St. Therese of Lisieux. Yes! A little flower. Look. And look, somebody left me a little flower on my Aww, on the nice. podcast table today. See that's that? That's nice. Was that a little because flower. of the feast day coming up? Oh, she just found it on the ground and decided, well, Providence took care of that for mm. you. That was nice. Yes. Yeah. The little flowers feast day. I know. This is big stuff. It is. Well, it's, it is big stuff for the church. Oh, yeah. I'm a big it fan. Is. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people that are big fans of St. Mm-hmm. Therese. Mm-hmm. I said she swoons seminaries. She does. She does. <laughs> All these masculine priests, yeah. or at least think they're masculine. Right. I, mean, I, I try to live it, but you know, mm-hmm. whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. Just love this little little flower. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. So like a uh, Carmelite nun. So part of her vocation is to pray for the salvation of souls and also for priests. So very much mm-hmm. taking that seriously and writes this beautiful autobiography story of a soul. And it is very, um, it's very flowery. Mm-hmm. I mean, it absolutely is. I remember talking to a spiritual director of mine who said the first time he read it, it was like chewing on a marshmallow. Mm. And so it's so surprising that something like that would, yeah. as you say, swoon so many seminarians and priests, but it does like her vocation. Part of her vocation was to pray for priests and to bring priests into the merciful heart of the Lord. And God made her to do just that. She does. And there is something just like on a natural level that that like authentic femininity seems to bring out the best in masculinity. Oh yeah. So there's Mm -hmm. just like some of that going on there. Mm -hmm. So true. Yeah. So if you haven't read story of a soul, now's a great time. It's a great time. Get to know this little flower. Released on her feast day. Mm-hmm. So one sitting, just don't do it in one sitting. Yeah. There's too much to chew on. There's a lot to chew on. Mm-hmm. But it is it is for, you know, sometimes we get intimidated by um, the writings of saints because some can be very lofty and hard sure. to understand. And I'm not at that level where I can understand something like that. But her her story of a soul can be understood mm-hmm. by no matter where you're at in your, in your walk right. with the Lord. So. It speaks to every mm-hmm. beginner, mm-hmm. you know, or... You know, uh, monk who's been 40 years in mm-hmm. silence mm-hmm. so yeah it's beautiful mm-hmm. okay so we should pray sounds good the, you know draw us into prayer in the mm-hmm. name of the father and the son and the holy spirit amen, amen. blessed saint therese of Lisieux, we come before you today and ask that you may look after us that you may look after uh, each and every one of your your spiritual children those who are devoted to you and those who are not that you may intercede to the sacred heart of Jesus on all of our behalfs and ask that through your intercession you may shower an abundance of grace upon our world. And we entrust this podcast into your into your intercessions and through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. And the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> That's awesome. Yeah. It is. It is. Okay. 
So what are we talking about today? What else the is The burning awesome? bush. Yeah. Yeah, we're kicking it Old Testament. Kicking it Old Testament with our shoes off. With our shoes kicking off. It. Did you do that on purpose, that we're kicking it? I did not. The kicking it, it just, just kind of came naturally. It just comes forth from the heart. Yeah, it oozes. It just, yeah. Yeah. I think we talked about that last time. Puns just radiating the beauty of them. So, yes. <laughs> The burning bush, right? The burning bush. Take your shoes off. You're on holy ground. That's right. All Do you right. think we should read the, mm-hmm. just the, the story of the burning bush? So we're, mm-hmm. we're at the start of Exodus chapter 3. Mm-hmm. And Moses, meanwhile, Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, leading the flock beyond the wilderness. He came to the mountain of God, Horeb. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him as fire flaming out of a bush. When he looked, although the bush was on fire, it was not being consumed. Moses decided, I must turn aside to look at this remarkable sight. Why does the bush not burn up? When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to look, God called out to him from the bush, Moses, Moses. He answered, here I am. God said, do not come near. Remove your sandals from your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. I am the, I am the God of your father, he continued, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. But the Lord said, I have witnessed the affliction of my people in Egypt and have heard their cry against their taskmasters. So I know well, so I know well what they are suffering. Therefore, I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them up from that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the country of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Now indeed the outcry of the Israelites has reached me. I have seen how the Egyptians are oppressing them. Now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? God answered, I will be with you, and this will be your sign that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will serve God at this mountain. But said Moses to God, if I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What do I tell them? God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Then he added, this is what you will tell them, the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. God spoke spoke further to Moses. What do you think? Think that's probably enough? Or you want to keep going? Sure, that can be good. I think that can be good. Yeah. I think you got the the main part of the story, right? God calling out to Moses in the burning bush, and then Moses' <sighs> Moses's response makes me sigh. But it's the response of all of us. Yeah. How could he possibly think like, oh, yeah, perfect. Mm-hmm. Like, um, mm-hmm. What? I'm so, kind of here as a... As a on like hiding status, I don't want to go back there. You remember Moses mm-hmm. killed somebody mm-hmm. um, because they were messing with the uh, messing with the Israelites, mm-hmm. and they were going to report him, mm-hmm. and so he fled. Yeah, married this guy's daughter mm-hmm. and uh, Jethro, mm-hmm. and he's just out tending flocks, tending minding his, his own business, and then, like David, yeah, and then this burning bush, and so he approaches it, sees it's burning, it's not being consumed, so he's seeing this miraculous sight before him recognizing that here now God is speaking to him. And you would think, right, God, the the God of all, the great I am is speaking to you, and you would just say, whatever the Lord says you should do, you should just go ahead and do, right? Mm -hmm. And Moses says, but why me? 
and this continues his mm-hmm. his coming to terms with this reality of, oh, I can't do this, Lord. Like I hear right. you, I'm recognizing your God. Um, but what about this? What about that? What about this? I can't do this. What about this? What about this? What about this? Um, and so it does make you sigh. And then it also makes you sigh because you realize this is you in your own life right? day in and day out. Right. And the Lord works with him. Yes. Right. Absolutely. Because Moses complains, he doesn't all of a sudden say, all right, I'm done with you. Aaron, you're up or Joshua. I mean, there is a point where Moses is going to pass and pass Mm -hmm. the baton. He's going to die on the shores or on the the side of uh, the Jordan before they cross into the Holy land. And, Joshua's going to take the people in there, but mm-hmm. um, but Moses does a whole heck of a lot, even though he complains and whines mm-hmm. and, and yada, yada, yada. And the Lord is so patient with yeah. with this call, with his mission, with unfolding right. his mission to him, with also helping him overcome his own insecurities he has about whether or not he can actually do this. Mm-hmm. Go set the people free. Go back to this land that I've run from. Go back to the very place that I ran from. Go back there and do this great thing, set these people free. Oh, no, thank you. Right. Is there not someone else? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, But there's not. He's Mm -hmm. the one. He's the one. So Mm -hmm. what in the world does that have to do with the year of the Eucharist? Great question. Right? So glad you asked. (laughs) Well, yeah. So to get a little bit of insight, we read a little bit from, Mm -hmm. uh, and I think this is the first time I've kind of brought this one. Could you not watch with me One Hour by Father Florian Racine? who's a French priest Mm -hmm. and a beautiful little book. And I, when we were coming up with the topics of, of the year of the Eucharist, I just read this reflection that he had about the burning bush or else. Right. This is not what you think of when you think the Eucharist in sacred scripture. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. but his little insights made it, uh, made it make sense. So first of all, he kind of outlines in this book, the prefiguration Mm-hmm. That we have, right? So the burning bush to a lot of church fathers prefigures the mystery of the incarnation. So think mm-hmm. about that, right? The bush is burning, but is not being consumed. So this is prefiguring the mystery of the incarnation in that the divine nature unites itself with the human nature without destroying it. Right? right? Makes sense? Yeah. Right? So like the fire, the divinity, the, mm-hmm. the bush, humanity, mm-hmm. and the fire exists in the hu- in the in the bush, mm-hmm. the divinity exists in the humanity without mm-hmm. destroying the humanity, which right. is, I mean, like, man, that's that's a profound insight right there. Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah. And then thinking about, like, God always takes the initiative to meet man, right? God mm-hmm. always takes this initiative. He comes to us and takes this initiative for this encounter and expects a response from us. Mm-hmm. And so thinking about how God, in the presence of this burning bush, takes this initiative to go out and to meet Moses, to to uh, elicit and to... to um, yeah, takes this initiative to have this encounter with Moses. And so same way with this um, present in the Blessed Sacrament, God visits us in becoming this burning bush, taking this initiative, saying, here I am, I await your response. Yeah, mm-hmm. which is always the way, as you mentioned, always the way the Lord does it. And it's mm-hmm. it's I, it might be like just beautifully spelled out, and I think it's the first letter of St. John. It's not so much that we loved God, but that he first loved us. Right. And so often it's like our search for God, our love for God, what we're going to do for God. And that's all fine and well, but it's mm-hmm. actually backwards. Mm-hmm. That it's actually that the Lord first comes to meet us, that he first comes to find us like the good shepherd seeking, seeking his lost sheep. Mm-hmm. And and we have to let a, let ourselves be found and realize that we don't have all the answers and we don't have to come up with this ourselves, mm-hmm. but actually God himself is coming to find us, which mm-hmm. is remarkable that he just doesn't say, ah, good luck out there. Yeah, uh, right. And to think about that too, reminding me of scripture, like it, we often think it's us that 
has chosen God, but we have that outline mm. too, right? It's not you that have chosen me, but I who have chosen you, mm-hmm. right? That he's always the one seeking us. He's always the one taking this initiative, um, creating this encounter. And so you can think about that in your own life. Like, no, I'm the one that's been showing up to mass. I'm the one that's right. been making this effort to grow. I'm the one that's been doing X, Y, Z. Well, what do you think prompted your heart <laughs> to do those things to begin with? So yeah, so he's the one who comes to meet us. He takes that initiative. The burning bush is prefiguring the mystery of the incarnation and then present in the blessed sacrament, God visits his people and is truly the burning bush. This fire evokes the infinite love of Christ, which purifies, transforms, and heals. Oh, I love that. Mm. The the fire, the fire is the image. And you think about the sacred heart, mm-hmm. right? The sacred heart is on fire out of love for, for his people. And then it, it purifies, right? Like a fire is going to purify, you know, whatever you think of gold, maybe is one of the first one, like when gold's in fire, the impurities kind of rise to the surface so that they can get scraped mm-hmm. off. Also, it, it heals. Think about like in the old old days when they had an open wound and they would take something hot to pure to cauterize mm-hmm. a wound. Like the fire actually can heal something, but then it also transforms. Mm-hmm. Like if something needs to change, fire is going to make a whole lot of change. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. God calls Moses by his name. He invites him to a personal encounter, a relation of love, a heart to heart. So thinking about that again and, and tying that into the Eucharist and, and Christ present in the Blessed Sacrament and how he is doing that with each and every one of us. Right. Mm-hmm. And then he asked them to do something strange. Mm-hmm. Take off your shoes for this is holy ground. Mm-hmm. And you think like, who does it mm-hmm. really matter? I mean, and, mm-hmm. and we think about this in so many ways. Like, does it matter what I wear to mass? Like, mm-hmm. isn't it good that I'm just showing up? Like mm-hmm. Moses could just say, Lord, I'm here. Mm-hmm. What's with the shoe thing? It's kind of weird and mm-hmm. doesn't seem sanitary. And what if there's something sharp I step on? Right. You know, like all of those concerns are mm-hmm. possible. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm surprised he didn't ask those questions. Yeah. He had lots of other he's, questions. He's a question kind of guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but then for ourselves and mm-hmm. this whole kind of attitude that our our physical, how we approach things actually affects our soul, right? Sure. Like our, our body affects our soul. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you have any thoughts about footwear, and in prayer and the Eucharist or anything like that. Are you fishing for something? Well, no, I honestly just want to give my own thoughts. <laughs> okay, do it then. You just go right well, ahead. Well, because it, I don't know if it's providential, mm-hmm. but I was talking to somebody on Saturday evening mm-hmm. that kind of really like kind of pushed the question about mm-hmm. going to mass unshod, you know, shoeless. Like, mm-hmm. what, is this, what, what do you think about that? Mm-hmm. You know, and kind of like pushing the issue. Mm-hmm. And... I can't say no, mm-hmm. right? Like if somebody's going to come shoeless, mm-hmm. if any of our parishioners want to, you absolutely have my p- permission to take off your shoes when you come to mass because, all right, there's a lot of reasons. First of all, it's very biblical, right? Mm-hmm. Second of all, we're not the only place, you know, like people do this. Mm-hmm. Um, I've celebrated mass for the missionaries of charity sisters mm-hmm. and everybody in there, all the sisters, when they enter the chapel, take off their shoes. Mm-hmm. And and sister, when I went to celebrate mass, father, you can keep keep your shoes on. I said, no, no sister, I'm taking off my (laughs) shoes. And, uh, she didn't really make any comments. She assumed that was the normal thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so, okay. There's cultures where when you're in a holy place, you take off your shoes. Mm -hmm. And then I just like this radical idea of being Catholic and doing radical, 
to say like what we're doing here is not ordinary. Mm-hmm. Right? It's why I love incense because like we are in a holy place. There's no other place that you go to, whether you go to a baseball game, whether you go to the grocery store, whether you go to work, that incense because we're in a different sort of place. We're in God's mm-hmm. house. Mm-hmm. And then the same thing with the shoes. Like it mm-hmm. as you do that, there's no other place, I guess, except home, which is kind of fitting, mm-hmm. um, that you take off your shoes when you go to a public place, mm-hmm. except the Lord's house, because it's a completely different sort of place. It's absolutely set aside. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if I'm just rationalizing what I kind of really want to do <laughs> is to celebrate mass shoeless all the time. Uh-huh. Um, but I think there's something to it. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts? I don't disagree. Okay. I don't disagree with that reality. And then also, um, not only the reality that our, our, our external actions kind of point to internally or that this is something special that's happening. Right. And, and two, just the reality of this reminder of poverty and the reminder of Christ came as, um, you know, as a poor and entered into our humanity as, as a, in this, in this poverty and to be reminded of that in the sense, plus, you know, I'm in formation for the discalced Carmelites, right? Which yeah. discounts mean shoeless. So right. I'm not going to argue with that. So, I, and sometimes I think, um, and this is like every now and then you notice altar servers' shoes. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't wear like simple, just like, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes they're wearing whatever, like colorful Converse or something like that. Sure. It's like, yeah, we should just go shoeless, right? <laughs> like it would be less distracting if yeah. you were barefoot than right. to wear those bright orange shoes. Right. So, wow. I didn't know we were going to have such a, uh, radical conversation on the podcast today i would have been better prepared mm. yeah i was prepared for it that's that's <laughs> you, how that's why it went there you know you definitely were prepared shout out nate freisteller because okay. he was the one asking about going okay. shoeless all right so Let's do it that's yeah what nate and anybody else you have my permission if you are looking for it uh-huh um yeah to go shoeless. And so that this is outlined in this reading that we did as well, right? The the reality of how does how did Moses behave before God and for what reason? This idea mm. of God directs him take off your shoes. The position of the body is fundamental in prayer before the blessed sacrament. It's by putting one's body at prayer that one puts one's heart at prayer. Again, the externals matter. They do matter to what we're doing to how to how interiorly we're behaving. Um I've thought about that a yeah. lot in like, as you're, as I'm praying, especially since I read it the first time, mm-hmm. like sometimes if you're, you know, before the blessed sacrament for a while, you know, you sit and then like, I start to, you know, the mind drifts. Mm-hmm. And one of the things this kind of taught me is we'll start kneeling, right? Mm-hmm. Like let's change the body position and let's go, let's get on our knees and beg the Lord. Mm-hmm. And you know, the focus, like when you're on your knees, you're pretty much just praying. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's the only reason, unless you got to pick something up or something like that, or mm-hmm. you're a catcher or something. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Catchers have good hand-eye coordination. Absolutely. Oh, wait, were we talking about that on air? No, we I don't were not think talking so. about that. I don't we think so. Man, we were talking about how, what great eye hand-eye coordination father Sean has. He was not, he was really breaking himself up guys. Like it's the one skill I have <laughs> that, right. That I think I have. So we were joking that we could just start randomly throwing stuff at him and mm-hmm. test, test that theory that he has, mm-hmm. that he's got. If a shoe flies, it means. <laughs> it means someone, two things. It means one, somebody's testing your hand-eye coordination and two, they've just listened to you and agree with you that shoes. Shoes are optional. Are optional. <laughs> All things I'm very uh, proud of. Okay. 
Okay. But that's, that's the reality. Yes, our posture matters in prayer and how we're praying, and he's tying that into the importance of that as well and encouraging us before we go to the Lord in adoration to begin in a prayerful mm-hmm. position of kneeling. And by all means, if this becomes painful, go ahead and sit, but then end where you began in prayer and kneeling. Um, and it does matter. It, it does. does. It yeah. does. I can tell you like when we're, um, you know, when we're at mass, if you were, if you were not, pay- I don't recommend you do this, but if you were not paying attention and actually entering yourself into the holy sacrifice of the mass again, don't do that. But you were just watching me the whole time. You can tell how distracted I am by what's happening because mm. if I'm super distracted, then my hands always go over my face. Mm. Like in that, like I'm trying to enter more fully sure. in, interiorly, but I am struggling. And so I like physically have to do something to try to, uh, to help with that. So, I mean, that I'll do that when I'm standing, when I'm kneeling, whatever, if I'm, I did it Very at a fair. meeting the other day and somebody, I didn't realize people were watching and they're like, are you okay? Oh yeah. I'm just praying. <laughs> I'm just praying. Sorry. There's oh, yeah, a lot just, of noise in this room at the you, moment. <laughs> you're just boring me. <laughs> so, anyway. Okay. My bad. The, just a great line that mm-hmm. he sums this part up. One of the remedies for tepidness and spiritual dryness in prayer is the quality of the body position. Mm. You know, it's something so simple and uh, that sometimes we think, ah, it doesn't really matter. Oh, it does. Mm-hmm. So that's cool. Adore the Lord with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength. Mm-hmm. Again, how you're positioning yourself in prayer matters. Okay. And then he gets to the name, right? Mm-hmm. That God gives the name, I am who am. Mm-hmm. And basically says like, well, I could just read this. It characterizes the person. Hear the name, I am who am, recalls that God alone exists in himself and that God needs nothing and no one in order to exist. To the contrary, God, the source of being, of every being, keeps all that lives in existence. From the sacred host, the Lord Jesus supports the universe. Mm. How can we not marvel before the host, which contains in its entirety what the universe cannot contain? If the earth revolves around the sun, the cosmos revolves around the host. Mm-hmm. That's a world of scroll moment. Yeah, it is. Yeah, that whole that whole paragraph to continue he, he writes to approach it in faith meaning to approach the blessed sacrament in faith is to hold oneself in the heart of the world what that's awesome and it's true though mm-hmm. right like we actually have to believe that the center of all of reality is right there before us mm-hmm. and the incredible thing is that it's it's so small it's so ordinary it's just a simple piece of appears to be mm-hmm. a piece of bread mm-hmm. and yet it's responsible for the cr- creation of the world and mm-hmm. sustaining it in existence mm-hmm. and actually wants us to approach. I right? mm-hmm. just like Moses, God wants him to approach him mm-hmm. who is, he is the one who is, he just exists. Mm-hmm. Once Moses, little old farming, sheep herding, killing Egyptian Moses yeah. to approach Right. And of course, that's the same for us, that he yeah. actually draws us to himself. Mm-hmm. I, 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 since we were talking about Therese and her feast day, which is on the day we're releasing this, I'm reminded too of her. She has like this aha moment in her own life and in her own mission because, of course, she aspired to do all of these great things. She wanted mm-hmm. to be a missionary. She wanted to go out. She wanted to do all these things. She had such zeal for souls and wanted to do these great things in order to save people and to turn people to the Lord. Of course, she's a sickly young woman in the convent. Mm-hmm. She's not able to go on missions. And she's basically wrestling with that. I'm desiring these great things. I believe God wants me to be a great saint, but I can't do it. I'm physically not capable, right? And this is where she gets, we get the doctrine of her little way to do these little things with great love. But one moment she's praying about all of this and she has this aha moment. At last, I've realized my vocation. My vocation 
is love. Because when I'm at love in the heart of this church, then I can be all of these things, right? Mm -hmm. And so she realized and recognized that her job was to unite herself ever in ever increasing ways into the heart of the Lord in prayer. And that when she's doing that, she's embracing all vocations because love does in fact embrace all vocations, right? Mm -hmm. (sighs) Alas, I know my vocation. My vocation is love. To be love at the heart of the church. This is what she recognized. And this is what we're doing every time we adore the Lord in his Eucharistic presence, every time we receive him in his body and blood at mass, right? We're we're putting the world there mm-hmm. at the heart of the church, love, yeah. right? Mm. And even like, as you mentioned that, maybe you can even get to the, the last part of God's conversation with Moses mm-hmm. is his mission. Mm-hmm. God gives Moses the mission of this is what you're going to do. You're going to go to Pharaoh. I'm going to be with you. Mm-hmm. You don't. This isn't. I'm not just sending you out there to die. I'm mm-hmm. with you. And uh, but this is this is the mission that I'm entrusting you on. Mm-hmm. And I can just say from my own life how how often clarity about what I'm supposed to do comes from the Blessed Sacrament. Like all of these different like oh this this problem this needs done I got to do this this and like and I or and I don't even know how like actually mm-hmm. here's the problem I don't know what to do. Sure. And the clarity before the Blessed Sacrament and sometimes it's you know sometimes you just kind of get a little bit more fuzzy but mm-hmm. more times than not mm-hmm. just the the Lord kind of sets this path and gives this little guidance and things just kind of like makes sense after you hash mm-hmm. it out with him. And he, and so he sends us on our mission. I guess that's the point of mm-hmm. just like Moses before the, the burning bush receives his mission, what he's supposed to do. That's so clear for us too, mm-hmm. I think. At least it is in my life and a lot of other people I've talked to. Oh my gosh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and I can't tell you how many times like it is. It's like your head is spinning. There's mm-hmm. so much coming at you and you enter into the chapel and put yourself before the Lord, recognize what's actually happening Mm -hmm. and who actually is in front of you and who you're kneeling before. And it's like everything just kind of stops. Now, that's not every time, of course. That's a miraculous grace because sometimes you're in there and you're distracted the entire time you're in there too, right? Um, But there are moments where the Lord grants us that in in his presence and only in his presence. Yeah. And I've, I've had, you know, I couldn't tell you how many times for like 55 minutes, I'm just moaning and whining and complaining. (laughs) And then like 55 minutes in, it's like, oh, wait, uh, you got anything? Uh, you got something you want to say? And then like a minute later, like the whole thing solved. I'm like, why didn't I start with that? Right. But maybe he needed to let me moan mm-hmm. before before there's a, there's a bit of, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Somebody else is in charge. Mm-hmm. Thanks. And he does know what we need. Yeah. And sometimes we do. We need to come to that awareness of, whoa. Yeah. Who do I think that I am? Yeah, I'm just talking to myself. I just this entire oh, time. He's right there. He's, he's right there. Yeah. I just try. I've been what? Who? Yeah. Huh? <laughs> I feel like I wasted all that time, but <laughs> yeah. Well, we need to. We need to. I think that it humbles us before Him yeah. to recognize that to have those moments before Him. I mentioned in here too, just that reminder, and I think maybe we talked about that when we had the episode on adoration, but the word adoration, oh, yeah. right, is ad os. Mm-hmm. Os. Meaning mm-hmm. mouth, not mm-hmm. something else mm-hmm. that it sounds like in English. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Toward the mouth, which refers to the kiss and by extension to love. Mm. And so to think about that when we're in. Towards the kiss. Adoration. Mm. What? That's awesome. Isn't it? Yeah. There's this beautiful, um, in the Song of Songs, this beautiful which is poetic in and of itself, but it talks about that, like the beloved calling out to the bridegroom, kiss me with the kiss of your mouth. Mm. And that's really beautiful and something 
beautiful to ponder too in adoration. Okay. All right. What else you got with this in the burning bush and the year of the Eucharist? And I think that's about it. Mm -hmm. You got anything else? Hmm. There's a whole incredible quote from John Paul II that he ends with. Yeah, don't don't ruin it. Maybe we'll end with prayer with that. Does that sound good? I guess I won't ruin it. <laughs> don't I spoil ruin. that surprise. Okay. And we'll Do end with prayer. Do you want me to cross prayer. it off then? I think so. Let me think. Is there anything we're missing about this? As you get up there and cross it off, I'll think. So we have the burning bush prefiguring the mystery of the incarnation, thinking about how Christ is present in the blessed sacrament. God visits us, he truly is the burning bush, how this fire purifies, transforms, and heals. Our body position matters when we're before the Lord in prayer. Think about God gives his name to Moses, talking about how, too, often in biblical words, like when God names us, like it means something, it's tied into our mission. So we mm. mentioned about that, like we go before the Lord, like Moses went before the burning bush, we adore him, we receive this mission of what he's sending us out to do, right? Um, and then we have these encounters, God taking this initiative to meet us and to elicit this encounter with him. He only expects what from us? Our response, mm-hmm. our response, our response to him. Okay, very good. I think that sums it up. Okay, well, the question, where are you looking to go? <sighs> um, bottom middle somewhere. I don't know what it is, but just do we have any openings in the bottom middle? Mm-hmm. Okay, go there. Oh, been there, done that. Okay. <laughs> John 13, we're going to wash... We're going to wash some feet tomorrow, next time. Oh my gosh. That's exciting. I may have known that the John ones were in the bottom middle. (laughs) I will try to get you to go there last week. Remember? Yeah. Yeah, I do remember. Now is the time. Yes. The the appointed time. Now is the time. When should we be talking about feet? (laughs) Now we're going to wash them up. Somebody in here said she she has stinky feet. So time to clean them. Time to clean them. Not it. Not it. Wait, that's, wait a second. You are it. You are it. Oh, yeah, on Holy Thursday. Yeah. That's once a year. Okay. <laughs> That's what it says in Scripture. I've washed your feet. You are to wash others, but only once a year. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay. okay. <laughs> All right. Thank you. If you're still with us, thanks for staying with us. <laughs> yeah. We've- and uh, you could say that after all these months, say, years. Oh my word! Are you kidding? You're right. Yeah, if you're still with us, Whew. God bless you. Your world will be great in heaven. <laughs> Absolutely. And you know how much to pray for us. Absolutely. Especially Julia. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> this is all true. I've never agreed with you more about anything ever. Whoa. Than that statement. To pray for Julia. Please. Yes. Okay. Okay. So this is a quote from John Paul II about everything we just discussed. I warmly encourage the faithful to adore Christ, present in the blessed sacrament of the altar, letting him heal our consciences and purify us, enlighten us and unite us. In their encounter with him, Christians will find strength for their spiritual life and their mission in the world. In fact, in communing heart to heart with a divine teacher, they will discover the Father's infinite love and will be true worshipers in spirit and in truth. Their faith in him will be revitalized. They will enter into God's mystery and be profoundly transformed by Christ. In their trials and in their joys, they will conform their life to the mystery of our Savior's cross and resurrection. Every day, they will become more and more sons and daughters in the Son. Then, love will be spread through them in human hearts in order to build up the body of Christ, which is the church to establish a society of justice, 
peace, and brotherhood. They will be intercessors for all humanity, because every soul which is lifted up to God also lifts up the world and mysteriously contributes to the salvation freely offered by our Father in heaven.